Hi, Satans! Welcome to Satire Radio, your one-stop community that helps writers and readers succeed by exposing them to invaluable reading and writing resources and networks across Africa. And today we present to you our monthly authors expose, featuring latest projects from your favorite authors across the continent, including the backstage lives. Stay tuned and enjoy! Welcome to Satire Radio. I'm very, we're very happy to have you here. We've been wanting to have you here for a while, but you know, as a busy person that you are. So welcome to Satire Radio. Thank you very much. If you don't mind, will you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Okay. Um, good evening or good day, wherever you are in any part of the world. My name is Fumilayo Oyefusi. Um, I'm a human resource and organizational development practitioner. I'm a storyteller. Um, and I love God. I, I love that introduction. And I love God. You are shouting for the rooftops. I'm so proud. <laughs> I love God. <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, you're also the author. Please don't forget to tell them. We are the author of out of the depths the very proud yeah, author correct. of out of the depths <laughs> <laughs> thank you yes. i'm still trying to get uh, used to that uh, to introduce myself as an author so do you want to take the introduction again to add the author part <laughs> <laughs> okay so my name is fumilayo oyefusi um an hrod which is human resource and organizational development practitioner I am an author and I love God, really love God. That introduction <laughs> deserves a round of applause. Thank you. Okay, so um, first of all, I want to ask, why did you decide to write? Why did you decide to become an author? Guys, Out of the Depths is an autobiography written by... Um, if you see, I like to call it Antifumi. Um, it was written in fiction style, very easy to read. And I think everybody listening to me right now should go and pick up a copy. We'll tell you how to get a copy at the end of this pod. So why did you decide to write the book? Why out of the dead? Why did you say, ah, okay, let me write this story of mine? Okay, so Out of the Depths is my story, um, my autobiography, and it entails my experience uh, in the brief journey of life that I've had, uh, a couple of decades I've been around. And I noticed, I, I love to work with the youth. So anytime I'm talking to the youth or talking to uh, about to wed couples or newly married couples, I realized that they're struggling with some things and I felt, oh, okay, maybe I should share my experience with them. Maybe it will help. But again, I struggled with that for a long while. But I noticed that on a few occasions that I was bold enough to share my story while working with the youth or counseling or, or speaking with a group of people, it encourages them and the, the lights in their faces, the expression on their faces shows that, oh, okay. So if somebody has gone through this, I mean, there is hope for me. So 
having um, had that experience for a couple of years, about three years ago, I decided, okay, why don't you just pen this down? Because again, I started hearing from a lot of people, oh, you should write a book. Oh, your, your life is an experience that you know, people can learn from. So I, I started out um, putting it together, but it was, it was a tough journey, even writing it and putting it together because it brought out a lot of emotions. It brought a lot of uh, memories, pleasant and unpleasant. It brought a lot of um, joy that, oh, okay. So I actually walked on water and I survived. And um, so it's, it helps to heal me in many ways. So that's um, speaking with people, learning from my experience. I felt that, okay, the book can go as far as I cannot go. I can't be in every part of the world, but I desire to actually travel the world at some point. <laughs> so I, just, I just felt that, okay, the book can go any part of the world and people can actually learn from it. It doesn't have to be where I live or work or where I reside, but it could just be a blessing to everybody across the world. So that was the motive for putting it down. And um, the second reason was also because I, I felt that if somebody has gone through a path and has made mistakes and has learned from it and survived it and overcame all the obstacles and the challenges, there's no need for any other person to go through the same rough path. If somebody has been, you know, um, has, has had the experience and is willing to share the experience. So those, those are the reasons I wrote the book. Um, and I, I'm happy it's, it's blessing a lot of people. It, it gives me joy now that I was obedient <laughs> and I was able to put it down in, in black and white. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm, I'm actually happy that you thought of us, that you said, ah, if I should not make the same mistakes that I made, so I'm going to write this down <laughs> so she can learn. So thank you for thinking of us. Okay. So um, I've had a lot of, you said you love God, and I've had a lot of authors that say the same thing. They say, oh, I got the name or the title of my book from God. Because the name out of the depths, is very mm. peculiar. It's not something you hear all the time and say, oh, oh, it's a random name. No. So what this name actually drops in your heart as you call it out of the depths. I know that reading the book, I know you came out of the depths. Oh, yeah. Was that name, did it come to you? Did God say, put that name down? Or was it just you? Okay, so... um two reasons that the book was titled out of the depths. The first reason you have said that going through the book, you, you actually noticed that I came out of the depth. I went into a very dark, narrow, long tunnel. And I, I, I couldn't see any ray of light. I thought that was the end. I thought it's over. So I... Like I mentioned at the beginning, I really, really love God. I went back to God and I cried unto him. And while putting the book down, when I started writing the book, I didn't know what title to give it. I was just writing. And, you know, at some point while I was praying as well, still crying out to God and all of that, I stumbled on Psalm 130 verse 1. 
which says, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. And I noticed that crying out to God out of the depths with that scripture actually brought me out. So that was, that was one of the reasons the book was named Out of the Dead because as soon as I stumbled on that verse, ha, I felt, oh, okay, so this is the title of the book. And then because I also love reading, I, I also stumbled on a quote by Elizabeth Kobler-Ross that says the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, and I have known defeat, known suffering, oh, yes, I suffered. known struggle yes i struggled financially i struggled emotionally i struggled with everything and then known loss and i i lost a loved one i i I lost a loved one and i found their way out of the depth so looking at that quote i felt it described me perfectly first was the scripture then this quote described my experience. So that was how Out of the Death came to be. And, and of course, um, God had my voice. He was attentive to the voice of my supplications. And he showed me his mercy. So that was how the title of the book came about. That, that title seems to be personally ordained by God. Like God was like, <laughs> this is the title because he, he showed you specific. I'm sure you've probably come across that quote like thousands of times, but you've not really paid attention. But because God wanted you to use that particular topic, he made you look at it deep, deeper. I was extremely happy finding that, you know, that scripture and then that quote by Elizabeth Kobler-Ross because it just described my experience and I loved it. And eventually the, came, the book came out very nicely out of the depths. Very, 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 more than nicely, if I must say. Very <laughs> nice. To the people that have not read the book, sorry for the spoilers I might give. I'll try. I will try. I'm, I'm itching not to give spoilers. I will try. <laughs> <laughs> Please try. I, okay. So um, when I first read Out of the Dead, it's, I won't even deny it. I was upset. I was like, why will somebody go through all this? (laughs) (laughs) And I I was was like, God, why? I mean, why would you look at your child going through all of this? Because I've not been able to comprehend loss. I I don't know how to even explain it. Maybe I'll find the right words for it. But (laughs) some things happen to you as a Christian and you ask yourself, like, what was all this? Am I not a Christian? Did I not pray enough? Was there any point in your life you felt like God was being unfair to you? Like you were just tired. You wanted to just give up. Like I beg, I beg, I'm done. <laughs> was oh, there, there any point times. in your life? There are many times. Um, in my relationships, in my career, um, in my finances, there are many times that I felt I mean, you just gave up on me and I don't understand what I did wrong. Um, So let me start with the relationship. At the point where I I suffered a loss, I I felt, I mean, God, you normally let me know when things are going to happen ahead of time. Um, And the scripture that comes to mind was, will I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? 
So I felt, okay, I'm a descendant of Abraham, had that relationship with God. So anything that's going to happen is going to nudge me by the help of the Holy Spirit. And then I suffered this loss and no inkling at all. So I felt, okay, God, you, you abandoned me. Then it came to my career. Um, at some point, I had challenges in the offices. In fact, in, in like two out of, um, how many organizations have I worked? I, I think about five or so. Like two out of the organizations. So I, I felt in my career too, because I struggled with some jobs uh, in some organizations, I felt, okay, God, so what, what did I do again? I mean, it's enough that I suffered a loss. Why should I be struggling here again? And then the third one was financially. Um, because of the loss, because of instability at some point in, in my career, I, I, I was financially down and, you know, cash trapped. So I, I would cry to God and it looks like I was, I was talking to a wall. Nobody was listening to me. But, you know, at some point in the midst of all of this, I remember one particular instance. One day I was crying out to God and I was listening to a tape. You know, those um, tape uh, yes. that has this ribbon. <laughs> those yes. 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 I, I slot the tape in and I was listening to it and it wasn't playing. But, but you know, um, before the recording starts, it takes about a few seconds. So I, I was wondering, why is this tape not playing? And I was going to the tape recorder or, or tape player to go and press play again. And God just told me, the fact that it's not playing now does not mean it's not going to play. And it does not mean that um, the cassette, yes, that's what we call it, that the cassette wasn't working. I felt, mm, okay. So finally, he decided to speak to me today. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the way I felt. And from then on, I just listening to, the, um, listening to the message, I was hearing different scriptures that was calming me down. You know, all things work together for good. I have your name written on the palm of my hands. It will turn out well for you. So I, I was... I was hearing all of those and I was like, oh, okay. So God is still around. He actually didn't abandon me. So maybe I was the one that wasn't listening and all of that. So it's, it gives me so much joy. And then the, the scripture that now caps it off for me was 1 Samuel 2.8, where he says that he, he raises the poor out of the dust and lifted the beggar out of the dunghill that it might set them with the princes of the earth. So I said, okay, so you know that I'm poor. So that means you are able to raise me, you are able to lift me, and you are able to set me with important people. And that gave, gave me the confidence that, look, there's nothing God can do with my life. So I walk around, whether I, I have or I have challenges, I don't have anything, I just walk around, with my shoulders high that God had already said he raises the poor out of the door. So he's going to raise me. Whatever I'm going through is not going to be the end of it. And I'll come out victorious in all of it. So that's, those were the times I felt God left me. But again, he came back with a reassurance, just with a, a 
kiss it and it take there. Wow. God does find the strangest of ways to talk to us. Exactly. If if only we can listen sometimes. Yeah, but then I, I'm sure that there were times where, um, because in the book, we saw a progress of, even though it showed that you were a Christian from, I mean, growing up and all of that. But then we saw that there were times where you also asked God questions. So was there a time where you now started trusting God completely? Like, okay, no matter where he says I should go, I will go. Or do you still have those times where you ask him, like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I, I would say yes and not, not too certain. Um, from early in my life, I had committed my, my heart and my ways into God's hands that look, anything you ask me to do, I will do. So even when I was struggling and I had those challenges and I suffered loss and everything, there wasn't a, a time that I felt, um, was it God speaking? Yes, I might have taken his voice or his um, instructions in a haste and, and just go ahead and feel, oh, okay without asking in details. So when God shows you certain things, there's a need to also ponder, like we meditate on God's word to find out the meaning. So you just take it literally. Um, each scripture has a meaning to each individual. Okay, mm. so, so there are times I had those words and I just run with it, maybe with my youthful exuberance. and say, oh, this is what God said. Meanwhile, is an instruction to say, okay, this is what is coming. I need you to prepare for it. I need you to be calm. And I need you to ask me questions about what you should do or how you should handle it. So there are times like that. But there wasn't any time that I felt, um, I'm not sure God was speaking to me. I, I, I didn't feel that way. Except if I went my own way, I didn't ask him or I didn't wait for further instructions. And I've got my fingers burnt on those occasions. When I didn't wait, <laughs> I would serious, got it burnt seriously when I didn't wait for instructions. But like David, I know how to go back to him and say, okay, God, I'm sorry. Um, now I realize this was what you were saying, but I took it literally that, that this was what you meant. So uh, as I grow in the Lord and I'm still growing, as I grow in the Lord and as I grow physically, I'm learning to uh, become when God says certain things and ask for more clarifications, more instructions. You know, when, we, when we're at work, they give you an instruction and you just go ahead without finding the details. Yeah. That's Jesus take the wheel, but you are dragging the wheel with Jesus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so now that um, I'm growing in God and I'm maturing physically and spiritually, I, I'm learning to ask, okay, so if he shows me this way, I ask, okay, so how do you want me to go about it? How should I handle it? And he still speaks. So he speaks to all of us as his children every day and every hour. Funny how we, you know, we do some things. We don't listen to God or we misinterpret what he has said. And we go and get ourselves into trouble. But God still comes and helps us out of that trouble. Oh, yes, he, does. he said with the temptation, he will make a way of escape. 
So he always find a way of escape for us. It's like a child. Yeah, I mean, a, a five-year-old child, if you tell him, don't ride bicycle now, wait until you grow old so that you don't fall down severely. When the child falls down, it still falls, comes back to the mother. And you will still pat the child and say, but I told you. So don't worry, next time <laughs> you would learn. So that's yeah. that's what God does with us. That's just, that's amazing. So now, I read out of this and I found out, ah, spent five years and an extra year studying agricultural science. And now <laughs> you're a HR specialist and organizational development expert. How did you go from a Greek to that? Was it like, that's one. How did you go from a Greek to that? That's one question. Secondly, was it God that said, because, I mean, I've heard people say, oh, God told me which course to study. Or people saying, oh, I was studying a certain course, but when I got to a certain level, God said, no, this is not the course you're meant to be studying. So was it like that for you in any way? No, it wasn't. Um, interestingly, I studied agriculture as my first degree because I felt I loved agri and, you know, all the practicals in school, all the things about plants, animals and all. I was fascinated by it. And so I studied agriculture. But even while I was studying, a couple of my uh, classmates then would say, what are you doing in this class? You are more of a social science person or even an arts person. So why don't you go and read something like law, psychology, or law, all of those courses? And I didn't understand those courses, really. Law, I felt I can't read too much. I, I don't have that kind of energy. So leave me alone. <laughs> so when I left, um, when I graduated with my first degree in agriculture, and my late dad, bless his soul, used to say that, look, I sit on interview panels and I ask people, do you have, are you computer literate? And if you say so, those days, um, you have an edge. So that was you, a big deal then. Yeah, so that was a big deal. So, so he said, okay, why don't you go and learn uh, computer studies so that, I mean, that adds to your qualification. And so obediently I went, even though with some um, caveats <laughs> for him, <laughs> there so so I went and then I learned I learned that and that was how I got the job as a personal assistant first in a bank then in a pharmaceutical company and then when I entered the pharmaceutical company then uh, we were just starting off as it were and recruiting people and my my, my MD then said okay it looks like you like to work with people so why don't you be in charge of personnel those days it was called personnel and then I said no I have no clue about personnel management so from there I went into uh, Institute of Chartered Personnel Management um, for weekend courses so so that I could be chartered I'll go over the weekend I'll study and all of that that's that was how I entered human resources so I feel that um even though I didn't pray about my career, I just love doing things and I found myself doing it and doing it excellently well. But I also feel that God orders the steps of the righteous. So he knows what is our heart desire. And while you are doing whatever you love doing, he just charts your path, directs your path and just continues. So 
that's how I find myself into human resources. And then later I discovered that human resource was also involved, evolving into organizational development and also took some certification, some courses. And that's how I became an HROD practitioner with opportunities that I, I get at work and the fact that I feel uh, whatever my hands finds to do, I should do it very well. And so that's, that's how we entered the career. But again, wow. at every point, I also still pray to God, guide me, you know, if it's not something I'm doing. I, I veered, I veered into teaching. I veered into um, care work while I was in the UK. But I, I just noticed after a while that these things are not for me. I think this HR is my call. So let me just stay with it. So that's, that's how it happened. So even though I didn't pray about the career, but at every juncture, I was asking God for direction, for leading, for, for ordering of steps. And he did that. Yeah. Wow. And you say you didn't go to social sciences because you didn't like to read. I can imagine you want to read it. <laughs> yeah. And then God was like, don't worry. When you, when you see the book, you read it. <laughs> Okay, um, as humans, sometimes we look back and say, oh, I wish I did this thing differently. Or, oh my God, I can't believe I did this. When you look back at your life now or when you read your story, do you look back and say, oh, I wish I did this thing differently? Or what, what are those things that you wished you did differently or you didn't do at all or that you focused more on? Okay, so um, when it comes to relationship, I'm sure you've read the book. So oh, yes, when I it have. comes to relationship, I, I had my um, sorry moments, I'll call it. I didn't regret any of it, but I had my sorry moments. I, I feel that, okay, there are certain things I should have looked out for. Uh, and there are certain red flags that I saw, but I ignored so that's, that's why I started out by saying that my motivation for writing the book is that I don't want anyone making the kind of mistakes I made. So um, I saw some red flags in all of the relationships that I've been, but I ignored them. I, and I was too spiritual about them. I'm, I'm, I'm being careful to say this, but I have to say it. I was too spiritual about those red flags because I felt it would go away uh, by prayers and it didn't go oh. away by prayers. <laughs> I was going to ask what you meant by too spiritual. I think you just answered. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, I felt praying about it would go away, but you know, it's, everything is not about prayers as it were. Yes, you pray about certain things to guide you, but I mean, you can't be praying for a job and sit in the house. Yes. So you still have to make a move. So um, that's why I said everything is not about prayers. Uh, and that's, that's the, the um, immediate example I could give on that. So red flags were my sorry moments. So now I have come to understand that when you see a red flag, no matter how small, Ask, discuss, dialogue. If it can go away, fine. If it will not go away, do not compromise. Those were the lessons that I learned about relationship. And those were my sorry moments. And that's why I said, 
nobody should go through um, the kind of experience, the kind of mistakes, the kind of challenges I went through. I mean, people would still go through challenges. The scripture says when you go through water. So it's not a question of if, it is when. So that means all of us will go through some form of challenges or the other. But then there are some obvious ones that you shouldn't go through. There's, there's no need uh, being in it. So those were my sorry moments, um, especially in relationship. So ladies and gentlemen, please don't ignore red flags. And if me are telling don't pray away the red flags. Okay. okay, so you also talked about um some very notable women in the Bible who were role models for you. Mm, many um, of them. many, yes. And you talked about the Proverbs 31 woman as well. So um you mentioned some in the book. So for people who haven't read the books, I don't know if you could, you know, tell us about these role models and how they impacted you or how, what exactly, what they did that made you say, ah, this woman, mm. you just have to be my role model. <laughs> okay, so let me start with a man, just one man. Okay. Uh, and that's Abraham. And then I'll mm. go into the women. Um, so Abraham was my role model because uh, the Bible says that he did not tiptoe around God's promises. Well, when, when God promised Abraham that he was going to have a child and it took 25 years, the scripture records in Hebrews when they were uh, making the roll call that he did not tiptoe around God's promises. Okay. So he, he was, he believed God that whatever he has promised is able to bring to pass. Then um, other women that were my, hmm, that were my role model, there are, there are plenty. But <laughs> I, I'll start, <laughs> I'll start with Ruth. Uh, Ruth went with the mother-in-law and all of that. And then she stuck to the mother-in-law because of the God that she serves and all of that. But I, I noticed that she was a very obedient woman. Even though it was the mother-in-law that she was relating with, but she was obedient. Whenever they said, glean in this place, she stays there. So that was one woman. Another woman that was my role model was Priscilla in the Acts of Apostles. Priscilla and Aquilia, they were a couple. But they took one young man, they noticed that it was the only thing he knew was about the baptism of John. But they took him aside that, look, you, get, you, you, have, you have the eloquence, you, have, um, you know about the baptism of John, but you need to know more than that. And by the time they took him aside and taught him, he was able to talk about Jesus Christ. He was able to talk about the scripture eloquently. So um, Priscilla and became my role model for learn the scripture. When you see a young person that is struggling, support that young person to understand the word of God, to understand how to have a vision and all of that. So, which was one of the passions that I have, just moving with young people and encouraging them. Uh, so the third person, no, no, that's the third one, Abraham, Ruth, uh, Priscilla, Priscilla, and then the this, Esther. 
Esther was another obedient woman. So from Ruth and Esther, I learned obedience, which is very important. Esther was dangerously obedient. <laughs> yes, dangerously. And you know, you know what struck me about this woman is that Ruth was being instructed by the mother-in-law. She didn't say, you are my mother-in-law. She listened, she obeyed, and eventually she reaped. She's still part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Then Esther was obedient to the point that she became a, a queen because of her obedience. Because whatever Mordecai says, she listened. Whatever the uh, king's chamberlain that were taking them when they, when they put them together to prepare them for the king or, or um, kept yeah. them in harem or what do they call it now? Anything they tell her is what she does. She doesn't go, oh, okay, no, 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 I don't want that. No, why are you doing this to me? So for obedience, I learned it from Ruth and Esther. Deborah was another person that was my role model. Deborah was a judge. She was a professional. Deborah was a wife, so she was dutiful. Deborah was, um, he, she, she was uh, a prophetess. So which means she was working in the house of God. So it helps me to, to understand the scripture that says that you should not be slothful in business, fervent in spirit, and you should be serving the Lord. So I saw Deborah as a woman that was not slothful in business as a judge. She was fervent in spirit as a prophetess, and she was serving the Lord even when um, she was judging Israel. So those are my role model in the scriptures. And the last one was the Proverb 31 woman. I don't know who that woman is. I wish they have put a name to that woman, but that woman is excellent and she's multitasking. So, so I picked <laughs> how to multitask from, from the Proverbs 31 woman. So, so Deborah, Ruth, um, Priscilla, um, Esther, Esther. And then Abraham. They were my role model in the scripture. So far, women are one man. Wow. That's, those are very, very, those are women that we should all look up to because ah, they, did, they did a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's one part of, you know, there were in, in the book, I realized you had to make a lot of sacrifices, especially with going to the UK. I mean, ah, that was that was a whole lot of sacrifice on your part because that meant being away from your children for a long time because I mean you obviously I don't know if you knew but I felt you didn't know when you were going to come back. I didn't know. I have no how, idea. How like how <laughs> did you just say okay God this I'm, I'm I know you want me to go here and I'm going to go even though I'm going to leave my young children behind. So how how was how did you just how did you deal with that? Because I, yes. I, I know my own mom, even if she's trying to deal it, she's calling us like every hour. <laughs> so how did, you do, how did you deal with that? Like having to just say, okay, because I, I know that the reason why I'm going is to make it better for them. So how did you just decide that in your heart that I'm going to leave these young ones behind? Um, it came with um, challenges. The decision came with challenges and there were two. One, I was struggling with the loss 
and everybody was getting to know. So every corner I go to, people were asking about the loved one that I lost, that I lost. So it was making me to feel I'm going to be out of my mind very soon if I don't do something. The second was about the career challenge. I was having issues at work because I felt my work wasn't appreciated. So um, those were the two reasons I said I need to take a break and just leave. Now, the challenge was how do I leave a three-year-old and a five-year-old behind, not knowing when I'll come back? But I felt, hmm, if you don't take this decision now, you might not be able to cope and it will not be good for these children. So you need to be able to breathe and leave so that you'll be able to take care of them. So those, that was um, at the point that I took that decision. But it was a very tough one. I remember they had to take my son to the toilet uh, when I was going to board so that he doesn't see me. And I also don't want to be too emotional. But interestingly, my daughter didn't understand what was happening. So she was excited. Mommy was going to London and all of that. But my son, <laughs> my son couldn't understand that. So he, they had to take him out. You know. So how, I, how did I cope? Well, I was in touch with them um, every now and then, even from UK. But again, I, I had to make up my mind that I need to be coming for holidays so that I don't lose touch completely with the children and with my family. So that was a lot of sacrifice, which was one of the things that made me to work two, three jobs while I was in the UK, to be able to afford a holiday back to Nigeria, to be able to pay for my children's school fees and pay for my own school fees and my upkeep in, in London. How I coped, I don't understand. So maybe that was why I felt I came out of the debts. <laughs> it, it, it's really something that should be studied. Yeah, because I, I I didn't know how many hours sleep I was getting. And I survived it. So, so yeah, you had work. Yeah, it does pay. And your story is one that makes me realize that you should listen. Because, I mean, we always have this thing where we say, oh, everybody wants to japa and stuff like that. That's a slang among youths now everybody wants to run and go outside the country everything is better out there um and i i see that most of your friends when you said oh when you felt your spirit that god was saying you should come back and most of your friends like "Ah, nigeria and (laughs) i just imagine you not listening and, and seeing where you are right now seeing where you are and the impact you've been able to make i just imagine that you did not listen to god at that point what would have been happening um, okay, so that's, that's one of the reasons um, it's important for us to develop a relationship with God as children of God. Um, and I choose my words, not as Christians now, as children of God. There needs to be a relationship. So when I had finished my course and I felt I needed to come back, I was missing my children and all of that and missing my, my extended family, I... I was struggling with it. And then I felt, okay, so if I come back, what am I coming to do? To look for a job, but it's not going to come easy. So I started praying about it for, okay, I came back in 2007. I started praying for a whole year, 
because I, I was on holidays here in Nigeria in 2006. And in my mind, I felt, I think my time in UK is over, but I couldn't bring myself to tell my parents that because they would think, okay, there we go again. First you are going, now you want to come back. <laughs> yeah, so, so I started praying about it from the point I left Nigeria after my holidays in 2006, that God, if it's your will that I go back to Nigeria, just make a way for me and help me out. And so for a whole year, I was praying. And then, you know, the way God speaks in mysterious ways. And then I, I would attend service and then I'll keep hearing some of you are supposed to be employers of labor back home, but you're here struggling um, and giving impression to people that you are doing well and all of those things. And I said, okay, God, just give me a word and let me know when it's time to go. So um, at the time that my residence permit was going to expire, I started um, asking my employers whether they were going to renew my work permits and all of that. And they were dilly-dallying. So it just shows me that, ah, okay, let me just pack your bag. Because these people, they are not sure what they want to do. And I didn't want to overstay, at for, not even for one day. So that was how I had my peace once I decided to come back to Nigeria and I came. But just to say that it wasn't easy for eight months that I came, but I still survived it. You struggled, though. You struggled. Ah, I struggled. Ah. I, I struggled. hustled. You hustled. <laughs> yeah, I hustled. Okay, so uh, the last question is going to become a two-in-one question. Okay. Um, so now um, we've seen you come out of the depths as a losing a loved one at such an early time and then having to deal with, you know, little kids and all of that. And yet you still came out in a society that doesn't, that does not, that's not really very fair on women. And you still came out and you've been able to do a whole lot for yourself. I'm not going to tell you what she has done for herself. Go and read the book to find out <laughs> and inspire yourself because I'm inspired. And you still pushed forward even at a point where um, it seemed like it was going to be affecting your, you know, personal relationships and all of that. People say, oh, she's a maid woman and all of that. And you still pushed forward. So, and there are a lot of women out there who are in similar situations and don't even know what to do. And they're just like, oh God, what has become of my life? Or they just feel like, oh, this is the life I'm just supposed to live. And they've just left themselves. So what advice would you have for them? And mm. secondly, you were not, um, how do I put it? Okay, these days, a lot of us as, you know, Gen Z youngsters, we put ourselves mm. under so much pressure. Like, oh my God, I'm not doing this. Ah, I'm so approach 25. Ah, I cannot even boast of six figures. I'm so approach 30. I've not yet, you know, flown out of the country and all of that. And we put ourselves under so much unnecessary pressure. So what advice would you have to the young ones as well on, you know, how to be patient, how to listen to God and how to, you know, live life according to his purpose and not have all their minds on, oh, I want to Japan, I want to leave the country. I'm not saying you push, you not go. Yes, we put in Saudi Arabia, some Israel, some is in the UK. But 
what, what advice would you give so we don't put so much pressure on ourselves? Okay, so um, for the first one, um, whoever must have lost a loved one or had one challenge or the other, I'm wondering what is the next thing? My advice is, is part of a quote that I had in the book that says, you are not the victim of the world, but rather the master of your own destiny. So you are not the victim of the world, but you are the master of your own destiny. It is your choice and decisions that determines your destiny. So things happen. Lost a job, lost a loved one. Um, I don't know, had an accident or something happened, something tragic happens, but you're still alive. So my, my, not an advice, but what I would say is live your life, take control of your life. If you are doing a business, pour yourself into that business and enjoy the life and without an apology to anybody. If you are a career person, develop yourself, upgrade yourself so that you become the whatever, maybe the engineer, the HR person, the accountant. One of the things that helped me is that, look, I don't compare myself with anybody. Yes, it was tragic. Um, people would say all sorts of things. Oh, single woman. Oh, widow. Oh, this, whatever. Oh, um, uh, person living with disability. Oh, she just lost her job. You are still yourself. You are an individual. Do not care about what people say or what title people give you or what label people give you. You don't have to give permission to anybody about your life and you don't have to take permission from them. So please, for whoever has suffered any challenge or any tragic loss or anything, please leave and focus. That would help. Now for the young one that wants to travel out, fantastic, it's good to travel out. It's good to aspire, but please, uh, do not run when you're supposed to be walking. Do not walk when you're supposed to be crawling. There are stages in life. We all started out as a baby that cannot even sit. Then at some point we start to sit. At some point we start to crawl. At some point we start to walk, take staggered steps, and then you walk properly. And then at some point you can brush your teeth yourself. You can have your back yourself. You can go out and take a taxi yourself. So if you look at those stages of life that you did not jump any one of them. So don't jump any stage in terms of achieving things in life. And, and I'm, I'm trying to get a scripture that says, uh, they that compare themselves with themselves are not wise. I think it's in the New um, Testament. Yes, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So for young people, the fact that my classmate 
has made it, is riding a Jeep at 25, and I'm still working at 25. Our times are different. So you need to understand that, that the Bible had already said, if you start comparing yourself with another person, you are not wise. What you should do is challenge yourself and give yourself a goal that, okay, if this person is here, I should give myself five, 10 years, or I should just write down, what do I want to become? In five years' time, what do, what would I what would I have loved to achieve in two years and three years and five years? If you write it down, because it has worked for me, I'm not going to say what hasn't worked. I notice that at the beginning of every year, if I write five goals at least that I want to achieve by September, I have already achieved almost all of them. Four out of five. So learn to give yourself a goal, learn to write it down, learn to work towards it, learn to find out who can help you to achieve this goal. Is it reading a book? Is it finding a mentor? Is it studying? Is it getting another job, volunteering somewhere that will help you to get the experience? That is most important. But please, young people should not compare themselves with, with themselves. You are not, you are in a different race completely. And God has the plan of each one of us in his hands. And it will not be nice for you at the end of the day that you rushed and achieved something. At the end of the day, you lose it. And God says, I did not send you that errand. So why did you go? (laughs) (laughs) It would be very painful. (laughs) And if you notice David, he always asks, he will win a battle. And then he will not use the same tactics, the same framework for the next battle. He will still go back to God. Should I pursue them? Will I overtake them? There are different times in the scripture that God will say, no, you're not using that strategy this time around. You're using a different one. So that's what we need to, that's why we need to develop a relationship with God. It's not about being a Christian and going to church. It's having a relationship with God that works. Okay. Well, this is, this has been so, (laughs) this has been so enlightening. It has been so, so amazing. Okay, I have one last request, please, if you don't mind. Okay, please go okay, ahead. I, I don't know if you, you know, if you'd like to pray with us, you know, oh, just yes. say a prayer for, it could, it could be for one of our listeners out there. All right. Our Father and our God, we're grateful unto you for the privilege to know you, to call you our Father. For the privilege to be called your children, we return the glory unto you in Jesus' name. Father, we ask, O God, as you have always done, leading and directing those who are called by you. The Bible says they that are called by God, they are the sons of God. Father, we ask, O God, that you will lead us, you will guide us, you will direct us. And you would help us not to walk outside your will and your counsel for our lives in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help us to trust you completely. Because that song says it's so sweet sweet to trust in Jesus, to take him at his word, to lean upon his promise, and to know that thus says the Lord. Father, we pray, oh God, for all of us, whether young, old, adults, children. Father, we ask for the grace to trust you completely, to put our hands in your hands so that you can lead us. Release that grace upon us in the name of Jesus. 
And I pray, Jehovah God, that none of us will miss it in life. None of us will make a mistake. But Father would always hang on you to lead us by the way, to encourage us in your word, and Father, to satisfy our desires according to your will. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because we know you have had us. And for those who are going through one challenge or the other out there, Lord, I ask, oh God, that you will step in and intervene. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you so, so much. Um, to all our listeners out there, you can connect with Antifumi on IG at oyefusi.fumi. Am I right? Yes, that's correct. And via email at fumititi at hotmail.com. And on Facebook at... It's still Fumi Oyefusi. Fumi Oyefusi. And for Twitter, whenever they decide to, you know, lift it. Whenever they decide to lift it. You can also connect with Antfumi on Twitter at um, Fumi. Is it the same Oyefusi Fumi? It's at Fumi Titi 1. Okay, at Fumi Titi 1. So um, you can also get copies of Out on the Dead out of the depths you can get on okada books if you like ebooks and bam books if you're an ebooks person but if you're like me that likes paperback you can check with loom books they're on ig and roving heights as well they are also on ig so thank you so much Anthony, for the opportunity thank you for coming in with your very busy schedule thank you thank so, you so, so much. much it's such a privilege to be here today. I also appreciate that privilege. Thank you very much. And I pray that the Lord will continually direct your steps. In Jesus Amen. Name. Amen. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. All right. Have a nice day. Enjoy the rest of your evening. <laughs> Thank you. And you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you have questions, reservations, comments, or opposing views, you can send us a DM at Satire Africa on Instagram or join us at Readers Colony on Slack. Or better still, you can email us at Satire using satirepress at gmail.com. Thank you.